A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. John the Baptist appeared preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was of him that the prophet Isaiah had spoken when he said, A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. At that time, Jerusalem, all Judea, and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, and they acknowledged their sins. When they saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I am baptizing you with water for repentance. But the one who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, do the children want to come up for a little children's... Oh, how are y'all this morning? You were sitting on the side. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because I want to talk about this statue here. Who is this? Do you know? It's Mary. It's a little different from most of the statues we see of Mary, isn't it? This statue of Mary is, is really kind of special. This is called Our Lady of Palmar, or sometimes she's referred to as Our Lady of Hope. And, you know, the school here is called Our Lady of Hope. And we have a, a group here that meets at 915. We call Our Lady of Hope, too. But she's very special because when she appeared, she appeared in France. And guess who, he, who she appeared to? Children. And only children. Sorry, I just now thought to turn my microphone on. Those of you wondering what I've been saying up here all this time. We're talking about our, the Our Lady of Hope statue. And Our Lady appeared to children, and to children only. In fact, when she appeared in the sky, all the adults looked and looked, but they couldn't find her. But only the children could see her, because children are very, very important to Mary. She loves children. In fact, all the world are her children. But one of the things that's special about this is that she's holding a crucifix, isn't she? And what is the, can you read the words on top of the crucifix? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, that's right. Because as the children sang to her, she, would, she held up the cross that said Jesus Christ on top to remind the whole world that her job, her role in life is to bring everybody to Jesus. As beautiful and as wonderful as the Blessed Virgin is, her job is to bring everyone to Jesus. Now, there's an interesting story about another picture of Mary we have over by the candles. It's hanging on the wall. I couldn't bring it over. And that's Our Lady of Guadalupe. Have you ever heard of Our Lady of Guadalupe? 
a long time ago, a few hundred years ago, Mary appeared to an Aztec Indian in Mexico, and she appeared as an Aztec princess. And when she did, she won six million people to Christ, six million pagans who were Aztec worshipers who worshiped the sun and the moon and, and offered uh, human sacrifice. They were all converted. They became Christians because Mary appeared to them. So Mary is always bringing people to Jesus. That's her job. And today we are sort of celebrating a feast called the Immaculate Conception of Mary, which is why I wanted to talk to you about Mary a little bit. Okay? All right. You can go back to your seats. Thanks for coming up. Okay. So this is a, a kind of a confusing Sunday. It's the second Sunday of Advent, which is always the John the Baptist Sunday. We always get the John the Baptist readings. But it also happens to fall on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, which kind of makes it a twofer, right? Now, in the church, for the, because the church calendar gets kind of confusing sometimes, whenever a solemnity like the Immaculate Conception falls on a Sunday, they move the solemnity to the next day, to Monday, but the obligation of the solemnity remains on Sunday. Do you all understand that? I don't either. So we're just going to have, we're going to talk a little bit about John the Baptist today, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Immaculate Conception, because what else are we going to do? Now, one of the interesting things, and a lot of people don't understand this, so I want to explain it to everyone, is in this passage where it says, John the Baptist says, he is the one who is to make straight, or a better translation, to make level the path of the Lord. Now, what does that mean? If you've ever been into the Holy Land, you'll realize what the Holy Land has more than anything else is rocks. Rocks. Lots and lots and lots of rocks. Did anybody go with Deacon Tyrone this past summer? Okay, yeah. And did you see rocks? Boy, there are a lot of rocks in the Holy Land. And so the, the roadways, especially in the ancient times, were always getting rocks on them because rocks would fall down from the hillsides and they'd scatter all over the roadways. And this wasn't such a big problem because pretty much everybody walked everywhere they went and you just kind of walk around the rocks, okay? But if you were a king, you wouldn't walk. You would ride in a chariot or a carriage and that's how you would get. From, if you're going to go visit a, a town, you would ride in a carriage to go to visit that town. Well, the carriage couldn't make it through the road because all the rocks, the wheels don't go over all those rocks. So they would send servants ahead of them to level the road. And they would take all the rocks and pull them off the path to make a level path so that the king could come. And that was John the Baptist's job. That's what he saw his job was to do, was to level the path for the coming of the Messiah the king of Israel, the prince of peace, the king of kings, and the lord of lords. And so he did this by telling people to repent of their sins. And this, in this Advent season, that's one of the things we do to prepare for Christmas, is we take time for personal reflection, for examination of conscience, for trying to get to confession or reconciliation, so that we can prepare our hearts to receive the Messiah on Christmas Day. So, that's the part for John the Baptist. Now let's talk about Mary. 
because this is uh, sort of the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And a lot of you have been preparing for this day. You've had, you, know, the, you noticed there were scriptures and prayers that you could pray uh, for the last few weeks to prepare us for this day when we can make a consecration to Jesus through Mary. And there's a prayer in your pews somewhere. They were on the edges, and now I don't know where they are. But there's a prayer there in your pews that you, we are going to pray at the end of the prayers of the people for those who would like to pray this prayer of consecration to Jesus through Mary today. Now, as most of you know, I'm a convert. I was not raised in the Catholic Church. I was raised in evangelical Christianity. My, my father was a, a, a Methodist. My mother was a Baptist. My grandmother was a Pentecostal. And so I always call myself a Methabapticostal. And that's how I grew up. And so when I felt drawn into the Catholic Church, a stumbling block for me, well, the rocks in the road, right, that I needed to get out of the way, was the way Catholics treat Mary. Because evangelicals are always a little afraid of Mary. We're afraid that we might worship Mary instead of worship God. And, and that was always a, a very a kind of a scary thing. So when I first became Catholic, I admit that um, this was a bit of an issue for me. And so when I first started saying the rosary, I would often substitute the Jesus prayer, you know, from the Orthodox tradition, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner, instead of the Hail Mary, because I was a little nervous about saying Hail Mary. And another thing I would do is the, the, the term Mother of God kind of spooked me. I was wondering, why does God need a mother? I, mean, I don't understand that. And so I would typically... Uh, substitute the Greek term theotokos, which nobody knows what that means, but what that means is the one who bore God in her womb, which is kind of hard to say. So theotokos became Mater Dei in Latin and then Mother of God in English. But that was a, a term that, that kind of spooked me. And so I spent a lot of time over the last several years studying and meditating upon the mystery of Mary. And read a lot of the church fathers about it. And it's a wonderful and deep and rich understanding of Mary's role in salvation because salvation history is a comprehensive whole. It's one story. It begins with creation. When God speaks his essence into the emptiness, into what... Genesis calls the formless void. He speaks his essence into the emptiness and from that act all of creation came about. Then the energy from that act coalesced into stars and into planets and galaxies. And on one such planet, the planet that's very dear to us, there's been this sacred drama playing out for thousands of years. So that God had created man for union with him, to enjoy his fellowship, to share with him, to walk with him, to talk with him, to be at one with him. But, as you know, he created a perfect woman. Her name was Eve. She was sinless. She was created without sin. However, she was tempted by the accuser, deceiver, into wanting to choose for herself what was right and wrong. 
and she embraced the knowledge of good and evil. She got to choose for herself. She became like a god herself. That's what the accuser deceiver said. You'll become like a god. And so she did. And then she tempted her, her husband, Adam, into sin. And from that point, mankind fell into fear and shame. And then as this downward spiral of sin began to, to go through the, all of the earth and all of humanity, God began preparing a nation, teaching them his ways, his truth, his laws, so that he would have a people in which he could bring his son into the world. But just like sin began by a woman, a perfect woman, being tempted and giving herself over to deception, God needed a perfect woman into which he could plant his son to become God on earth. And so Mary, not created without sin, but conceived without sin, that which we call the Immaculate Conception, heard the voice of the angel and she submitted to God. She didn't submit to the accuser, but she has submitted to God, said, let it be done to me according to your word. And then the Holy Spirit became her spouse and overshadowed her and planted in her the seed of God. God became man. See, Eve introduced sin to mankind, but Mary, the new Eve, as St. Justin Martyr calls her, the new Eve introduced salvation to all mankind. She became the conduit through which all of us can know God by knowing Jesus, her son. And so her whole role has been to bring Jesus to us, and it still is. I mentioned the Our Lady of Guadalupe to the children because that's such a great example in a world that was so distraught by human sacrifice. The Virgin Mary appears as an Aztec Indian and wins six million Aztecs to Christ, bringing the church a great, great treasure. And she is always doing this. She is always coming to draw people to Jesus. You see, we come to the Father, God the Father through Jesus, the Son, right? And we come to Jesus, the Son, through Mary, to, through whom God gave Jesus to mankind. And so it's a wonderful thing. In fact, the very prayer, the Hail Mary that, that we pray, was begun by St. Dominic when he was struggling in his attempt to convert the Albigensians who were a really messed up people. If you don't know what the Albigensian heresy was, they believed in the separation of good and evil so much that our bodies were evil and that our, and only God was good. And so their, their act of worship was to kill themselves because our bodies were evil. And Dominic wanted to bring them to Christ, but they wouldn't come. And the virgin appeared to him and said, the word of the angel brought God into the world. Pray the word of the angel so that God can come into these people's hearts. And so we began to pray the Hail Mary. That's how that prayer got started. 
So, today, being this hodgepodge celebration of the second Sunday of Advent and the Immaculate Conception, this is a day that we can give ourselves to Jesus, but to give ourselves to Jesus through Mary, and to discover that plentitude of grace, that fullness of grace that God gave to Mary so that she could bring God into the earth. And through the graces God has given Mary, we can find an even deeper relationship with Jesus. And we'll pray that prayer a little later on today. Well, I hope that helps some of your understanding of the Blessed Virgin. Of course, you guys, most of you are born and raised Catholic. You have known this all your lives. But I had to study and learn this myself because I was raised in a little different tradition. But let's go to God now in prayer.